0: Uh, there's a challenge that I think we so often run up against. I know it's a challenge that I run up against in my life, and that is uh, this challenge when we go looking to other things uh, to do for us what only God can do. Like when we go looking to things like money uh, to provide security, when we go looking to money to provide things like uh, significance and satisfaction for us. I mean, the thing is, when we put our faith in money and we expect money to deliver in these areas and in these ways, what happens is that over time, as we typically find ourselves in bondage to it, and, and if we're not careful really serving it. And the fact is that you and I were created to serve one master. Uh, we were created to serve one God, and that's the God who sent Jesus Christ uh, to this earth. Jesus Christ who came to set us free uh, from sin and to set us free from things like financial bondage. Uh, last week, our Noblesville campus pastor, uh, Ben Krauss, was here and uh, talked about how, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can only serve one master, that you, you can't serve both God and money. You can only serve one of these. And uh, because it's, it, it all belongs to Him, you know, one of the things that we explored is that uh, it's important for us then to consider how we steward those resources. I mean, if, if everything that I have belongs to Him ultimately, if everything that I have in my checking account belongs to Him, I mean, anything that I might uh, call my possession, um, well... What does it mean for me to steward that? What does it mean for me to manage uh, those resources? I mean, he must have an opinion uh, of that. Well, today, I wanna continue along those lines of what Ben talked about last week, specifically in the area of giving and generosity. And I wanna say this right from the top that our giving uh, and generosity is not supposed to flow from any sort of guilt or obligation, but God wants all of our giving uh, to flow from our faith and from our trust in him and there's a truth that I want to share with you this morning something that I've been uh, thinking about and praying about and praying for you that you know hopefully we can begin to understand this better together and if uh, you're taking notes and you want to write this down if you're following along with us it's this this truth this principle that generosity really is an opportunity to share in God's happiness. And uh, let me tell you where that comes from. That that truth comes right out of Matthew chapter 25, uh, beginning in verse 14, where Jesus was teaching with a parable, and with his parable, he described a master who entrusted his wealth to three servants. And, And to the one servant, he gave five bags of gold, and to the second servant, he gave two bags of gold, and to the third servant, he gave one bag of gold. And the master's hope was that each servant would not only view their provision as a gift, but also as resources. Sources to be used and to be invested and to be managed well in these things that would ultimately bring great joy and happiness to the master. Well, as Jesus described, this master left and went on a journey time passes, and when the master returned, he discovered that the person with five bags of gold had multiplied his bag to ten, the the person with two bags of gold had multiplied these to four, and to each of these two servants, this master's response to them were, you have managed the money well, you have managed these resources well, you've lived as I've instructed you, and then the master says to them, he says, I want you to come now and share in my happiness. And I think what Jesus was getting at here was this was certainly an invitation. uh, For future rewards, like he was, he was pointing his people in there, thinking to this day that we would be rewarded for our faithful service uh, on this earth, our loyalty to God, and trusting Him. So there will be eternal rewards for those gifts. But, but in the present, I, I think what Jesus is getting at here too is that the master was saying to these servants, hey, I want to kind of invite you into this perspective of the way I see things. Like I want to invite you into my joy. I want to invite you into my significance. I want to give you this opportunity uh, to do things in a way that will not only bring me great glory, but you get to, you get to share in a, a portion of, of that happiness as well. And so there were two men that were faithful. There were two men that were obedient with their resources but to the man who had been given one bag, if you read it for yourself, the text says that he went off, he took his one bag, he dug a hole, he hid the master's money in the ground, basically a symbol that he was keeping it for himself, that he was going to manage it his own way. He's got his own selfish ambitions in mind. And the master's reply to the single servant, well, it was really pretty harsh. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant. We're going to talk about giving and generosity today, and I just want to say that there. No one ever taught me this growing up. Uh, This is something that my wife and I have had to learn together over the years, and it's something that I'm so thankful that we have, and I know for many of you as well, maybe you can understand that too. Uh, Jenny and I, we're learning together uh, what it means to trust the Lord in every part of life, including with our finances, and to really, to even just try to get our mind around this idea of what does it mean to share in God's happiness. And, and I know that I want to say this too, that whenever we talk about something like giving and generosity, that that's a sticky subject uh, for, for so many people and for so many different reasons. Because, you know, if you come from an experience where maybe you trusted someone and they abused that trust, or maybe in your home, you know, there, there are two of you, but you see things completely, you know, it, it, just polar opposites. And so just the challenge that can come with that. I mean, maybe if you would describe this current situation of your life as a place of anxiety or fear or crisis, like I just want you to know that I get that i 'm sensitive to that, and so I understand how this can be a, a tough subject, but I also want you to know that I, I think this topic is an extremely important topic for us. Uh, we probably don 't talk about it nearly enough, and because I know that God cares about it and that the word has something to say uh, in regards to it we, we need to talk about these things as a church. And so that's what I want to do together today. I want to look together uh, to God's word. And we want, we want God's word to be our authority for living. That We're not just making these things up as we go. We don't just make up our direction based on how we feel about something, but that we look to, to God's word as our authority and source. And we want to do that today to better understand what he desires for us when it comes to giving and generosity. And so I want you to know right up front, I'm gonna share a lot of verses with you today. And some of them I'm gonna speed through so fast because I know we all wanna watch the Super Bowl, all right? So we don't wanna be here too long, but you might write a number of these down. I hope that you'll investigate these for yourself. I hope you'll read through these for yourself and really ask, okay, what does this mean? How does this apply to my life? Here's what I wanna do. I wanna share with you uh, four life-changing principles uh, when it comes to generosity. Generosity. All right, four life-changing principles. And uh, so if you've got a Bible with you, take it and turn to Proverbs chapter 11, uh, right in the middle of the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, The first life-changing principle that I want to share with you today is this, that generosity leads to abundance. All right? Generosity leads to abundance. Now, I know that we can be generous in a number of different ways, but I just want to be clear, all right, that when we talk about generosity today, we're talking about financial giving. All right? We're talking about our financial gifts. And God's Word shows us that our generosity leads to abundance. And uh, Solomon gets at this in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. He describes two people. He says, there's one person who gives freely, All right, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Now, Solomon is sharing some lessons on life here, and what he does is he describes two types of people when it comes to money and possessions and generosity. The first that he describes, we'll just call this person a giver, all right? It's, Solomon says it's one who gives freely. It's one who shares and gives generously. These are the people who really see themselves as a channel for even greater things, all right? Kind of like the two faithful men in the parable. You could kind of call them the Rajan Rondo of generosity. You know, Rajan Rondo, the current NBA assist leader, he's all about getting the ball into others' hands, keeping the ball in play. I think that's what Solomon's describing here, as someone who sees themselves as a manager, taking these resources and getting it into play, keeping these resources at work. And so there's the giver. And then if you follow that same illustration, then I guess you could say there's the ball hog, all right? And the ball hog, I guess, is the one who withholds. Uh, this person is the dead end. You know, this person, when it comes to money, is like, it's all mine. You know, I mean, just I'm keeping it all for myself. Now, simple math would indicate that those who would give freely should have less at the end, right? And that those who withhold and store up for themselves would have more, right? But Solomon says, no. I think basically, if you read this in context, what he's saying is, hey, I've lived some days. I've seen some things with my life. I've observed how people live, and what I've discovered is really opposite. I wonder if Solomon would say, you know what, here's what I found. The one who gives generously ends up with so much more in return And it's the ball hog who ends up with less. When it comes to your money and your possessions, what position do you play? What what attitude do you take when it comes to your resources? I mean, would you describe yourself as one who gives freely? Are you seeing yourself as a channel, you know, for so many other things? Hey, God, I want you to to use me for even greater work in this world. Are you practicing and growing in this area of generosity? Are you like the second guy, the one who withholds? Verse 25, Solomon says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Solomon says, The one who is generous will prosper, which means to grow, which means to gain or to be blessed. Now that word prosper gets a really bad rap in the, in the church today, and it has been abused. Uh, and it's unfortunate, really, because it's a biblical word. And so maybe a better word for this morning is abundance. But here's what I take uh, from God's word and his promises here. I, I think what I see is that if we choose a life of faith and generosity. God will bless us. He will bless you abundantly. Now, these are spiritual blessings. These are certainly spiritual blessings before anything else. Spiritual blessings that come in all shapes and sizes and include things like contentment and greater faith and greater trust. And in some cases, his blessings can involve even more financial resources to be used for even greater things. I believe those and those of you here today that have been living this out with your life, you know that you're, you're going to see life differently. You're going to have a different perspective when it comes to your resources and how God is trusting you with these and how you use these and, and maybe even better understand together what it means to share in His joy and to share in, ha- in His happiness at seeing His work and His work through your generosity. Here's the thing. I-, I wonder how many of us would say that we want to enjoy all that God has for us, every blessing, His abundance for your life. The fact is that the way you view and manage your money has an impact on the extent of that abundance. And if you've been living like this, man, you know this. I, I don't need to tell you. You've experienced this in your life. But, and if not, maybe it's time for you to try it God's way and commit your whole life, your whole financial life to God and experience the joy and freedom and abundance that he wants to give you. See, generosity Leads to abundance, the second truth uh, the second principle is this that generosity begins with tithing. let me Let me explain what I mean by this. Turn to Malachi chapter three. Uh, Old Testament, last book of the Old Testament, right in the middle there, Malachi chapter three. Uh, Malachi was a minor prophet who prophesied 400 years before Christ. And he prophesied at a time when the people uh, were very prideful. They were very self-centered. And and to top it off, these were God's people. These were God's covenant people, the people of Israel. Well, God's upset, all right? He's upset by the direction they've taken, their own uh, self-centeredness, their own way of doing things. And so he's gonna call the people out through his prophet Malachi and here's the message that God is going to send them through Malachi. Malachi 3, starting in verse 6. Malachi says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. And so God God just calls it as it is. He says, hey, you've been doing your own things. You've been choosing your own direction. You've been making up your own mind for how you're going to approach these things in life. So you're not keeping my decrees. And then look what he says. He says, return to me, and I will return to you. Basically, uh, follow me. I I think it's God's way of saying, I don't want any half-hearted, partial followers, all right? I want you to be completely and absolutely committed to me uh, in all things. And so return to me, and I will return to you. And then they ask this question, how are we to return? Almost kind of like, you're gonna have to give us something a little more specific here. Like we get the drift, all right? You're, You're upset here, but give us something specific. Verse eight, he does. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Now, sometimes that's uh, an expression that we throw around at church and maybe take for granted that everybody knows what we mean when we say tithes and, uh, and offerings. Uh, just some simple definitions here. I believe that Scripture shows us that a tithe, uh, the word tithe just simply means percentage. Uh, it means a tenth, uh, 10% of something. And offering, uh, what we see is any gift that is given over and above and beyond Now let me help you understand uh, a little of what I believe is meant by the tithe and how it pertains uh, to us. Again, a tithe uh, in Scripture describes the immediate gift of 10% of your income at the first opportunity. And here's how this worked in Scripture. Uh, Here's how this worked for the people uh, then. When, When you were paid or when you harvested, the goal was to go to great lengths to make sure that you returned your tithe to the Lord as soon as possible. And so whether you did that through the tabernacle or through the priest or through the temple, the whole goal in Scripture was to make sure that you didn't get caught or stuck with the tithe uh, in your home. In fact, you can read Deuteronomy chapter 14, uh, verses 22 to 29, which just describes the lengths that people would go to to make sure that they got the tithe, that they returned the tithe as soon as possible. Again, the intent, intent was to be sure that the tithe was the first gift you gave after being paid. Now, if we stop there for a second, I can hear someone saying, especially in light of this series, well, hey, Paul, I thought it all belongs to God, right? I mean, isn't that what we've been talking about I mean why just the 10th. Well, you're right, you'd be right because the truth is that it all belongs to God, but the intent the goal of the tithe was to for it to serve as a symbol that we acknowledge that it all belongs to God and that's a big reason, it's a big part of the reason why the gift was to be the first gift given. Now, where does this concept of the tithe come from? Well, the command to tithe goes all the way back to creation, extends through the Old Testament and New Testament, and I believe on into today as well. We we see this evidence of this universal principle of tithing as far back as the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, If you know the story, they each brought gifts to the Lord. Cain's gift was a very simple gift. Uh, Abel's gift cost him something. There was a sacrifice behind that gift. Uh, There's another example in Genesis 14 where Abraham and his servants were returning home from, from battle. And on his way home, Abraham encountered Melchizedek, uh, Melchizedek was known in Scripture as the king of Salem as well as the priest of God. And Scripture records in Genesis 14 that Abraham gave him a tenth. He tithed uh, on everything that he had received, and he gave praise to God in the process. Uh, this is the first mention uh, of tithing in Scripture, Genesis 14. There's another example of tithing in Genesis 28-22, where Jacob promised to give it Tenth of all of his property to God now now fast forward four hundred years after Abraham first gave a tithe, uh, God is giving the law to his people, and the principle of the tithe was presented to them. Uh, in Leviticus 27 verse 30. uh, God instructs the people by saying, a tithe of everything from the land, uh, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, if you understand what's happening here, uh, what God was doing is he was helping people set up a way of managing their lives, of managing uh, their home. It was a way of viewing their resources and really kind of setting up their their monthly plan when it came uh, to their finances. Solomon can Continues in this again, just emphasizing the first in Proverbs chapter three verse nine, when he says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops." Again, it was to be a first gift. Again, that's the heart behind it. It's the first gift we return. Uh, part of, part of giving first is really demonstrating what we value most. You know who we really see as our provider. Now that's Old Testament. Uh, teaching on the tithe continues on into the New Testament. Jesus commended the tithe in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, when he came up against the Pharisees and said, "'Woe to you, Pharisees.'" Now, now notice what he says here, because you give God a tenth uh, of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, all right? And so, in all cases, that's what these people are doing faithfully, but here's what Jesus calls out in them, "'But you neglect justice.'" And the love of God, he says, you should have practiced the latter, meaning, hey, the Lord is very interested in our heart. He's interested that these things come out, these things like justice and compassion and mercy and serving and doing all these good things. But he says, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Now, some people want to say that tithing is so Old Testament, but I just want you to notice here that Jesus doesn't reject the tithe. In fact, he commends the tithe. He embraces it And if you follow Jesus, if you follow his teaching, what Jesus is gonna do, in my opinion, is he's gonna elevate the expectation. And what Jesus does is he challenges people like you and me to tithe, but I think what he wants us to see more than anything is that tithing's not a finish line to our generosity. It really is a starting place for us, all right? And so you could say that the tithe or 10% is the minimum standard in the Old Testament, but generosity becomes the standard in the New Testament. It's a way of seeing our possessions. It's a way of seeing our money and realizing it all belongs to him. I'm just the manager. I'm just the steward. And so generosity becomes this standard. And the Apostle Paul's going to expand on that too. He's going to provide additional instructions regarding giving, like in 1 Corinthians 16 2, when he told the people to give their gifts to the Lord on the on the Lord's day, all right, at the time of Sabbath, or in Romans 14 when he reminded the people when you give your gift. And I think what he'd say to us today is when you give your gift, you're not giving it to Genesis Church. You're returning your gift to the Lord. All right? We're returning it to him because it doesn't belong to us to begin with. And, and there are so many more instructions on giving and generosity in verses. There are so many questions that we could talk about today. Uh, and, and there are instructions about how you know as your abundance increases, your giving, our generosity should increase along with it. And how we should look for opportunities to give sacrificially. I mean, it was David that said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord gifts which cost me nothing. Meaning, I, th- I, think, I think we all need some stories in our life where we said no to some things for the sake of being able to give to something else. And as we'll see in just a moment too, Paul is the one that says that we're to give cheerfully and without obligation. Now again, I realize I'm throwing a lot at you, but, but, but let me just boil it down. Let me just say this as practically as I can. I, I believe that all we have comes from the Lord. It all belongs to him. And so when it comes to my money or your money, I can't claim one cent of it. And God wants us to trust him. And he wants us to fully and completely depend on him for all things and to manage his money well. And I believe that one of the best ways we do that is by start out by living a generous life. And it's a life where we tithe back to the Lord through our church. And every day we just grow a little bit more in our generosity and faith and trust in Him. Uh, this is something that Jenny and I we started. We jumped right into like a pool uh, of water that you don't know whether it's warm or cold. Uh, Sixteen years ago, we uh, I had been serving on staff at Anderson University. Uh, waiting to go into full-time ministry, and a call came to move to Michigan, where we served uh, for five years, starting in 2000. And, and here's the facts. As we were making that transition to Michigan, uh, we weren't really giving. And we had been attending a church, and so we gave a little here, a little give there, and it was just kind of according to whatever we thought we had available any given month. But I knew that when we started on staff with this church, thankfully they didn't ask questions about this in the interview, uh, but that I knew that when we started on staff, it's like, okay, if we're going to be a part of a church that's going to talk about this and value this. If I'm ever be in a position where I got to teach on it, we have to do it. And so just really kind of cold turkey one Sunday, we're like, yeah, we have to start doing this. And so we went from nothing to 10%. We started tithing right away. And I'm just going to be honest with you and say, it was hard. Uh, We didn't have a lot of financial margin then. We didn't have any kids yet, but we knew they were in the near future. And so to go from nothing to 10% and to kind of look at those expenses every month and realizing maybe what we were gonna have to say no to, uh, we started out, it took some time. It it took some work on my heart for me to get around it. My wife's a little more generous than I am, so she got there quicker uh, than I did. But here's what I wanna say. I just wanna say this. For 16 years now, We have been tithing every month. We tithe to Genesis and we've grown beyond that tithe. We give more now than the tithe here to Genesis Church because we're returning it to the Lord and we love this place and we love being a part of this church. Not only do we give back to Genesis, but uh, we give over and above to different missionaries and missions partners that we've built relationships with. Many of them are missions partners that we support financially as a church, but we just love being a part of their work, and so we give over and above. We also like positioning ourselves to be able to give sacrificially as things that you can't plan for come up, and we've been doing this, and Um, I I don't say that because, well, I'm the model. You ought to look at me. And if everybody did it like me, well, everything would be fine and dandy. But I just tell you all that to say, hey, I'm doing this. I've seen what God has done in my life and in my family. And I'm certainly not rich financially, but I have everything I need and more and in abundance. And the Lord is faithful. And he has provided for us every day and week of these past 16 years. And I wouldn't do it any other way ever again. And some of you know what that's like and you've been doing this and you've been doing this faithfully and you encourage me and encourage our family in this journey too. And, you know, maybe you've got some questions that are coming to mind today. Like what if your financial situation is such a mess right now that you don't even know where to begin? Hey, we want you to know that we care about that as a church. Uh, We offer a class here called Financial Peace University. Uh, It's coming up again. It'll be starting on Sunday, February the 21st. How many of you have ever gone through FPU before? Any people in the room today? Yeah, if you've been through it before, you know it's a great program. It's a nine-week class. Uh, Jenny and I are actually gonna teach it on uh, Sunday nights. Uh, uh, Well, Dave Ramsey will do most of the teaching. We'll just kind of lead the discussion. But uh, that's gonna happen at our Noblesville campus. We'd love for you to be a part of that Sunday night, February the 21st, 6 to 7.30. Um, You know, what what if the thought of giving leaves just such a sour taste in your mouth, um, I just want you to know you might not be ready yet. Again, because here's the thing, like God doesn't want you giving out of obligation or guilt. Like this needs to be a step of faith. Like this has to be a step that you're ready to take and you're ready for that in your heart. Or, or what if the thought of giving 10% right now just looks impossible to you? I just want you to know that I've heard stories of people, including my own, who have tested God in this and taken the leap and then were just blown away by his promises and by his faithfulness. And so no matter where you are or whatever you feel like God might lead you today, just pray about it, all right? Just ask the Lord, what do you want to do through me? What's my next step in this? Because this life of giving and generosity is really an opportunity to grow in your faith. And that leads to this next uh, principle here. It's the generosity increases my faith. Like it'll do that, that's how it works. Uh, look, look at Malachi again, Malachi 3, 9. God responds to them, you are under a curse. Your whole nation because you are robbing me. Now we need to add there that if you're in Christ Jesus today, you're no longer under a curse because Christ Jesus became that curse for us when he went to the cross, all right? He, he took care of that curse once and for all uh, for us. And so, but, but from this perspective of finances, like what should we do? Like how should we live financially? Well, I believe what the Lord says to the people then, he's saying to you and me. Verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And look what he says here, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And so what what should we do? Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That means the place you worship, the church that you're a part of. And then what does God say to those maybe here today who would say, I'm anxious or skeptical or afraid? He says, test me in this. And this is the only place in scripture that I know of where God challenges us to test him in this. And what's his heart behind that? Well, I think it's just God's way of saying that he knows. I I think it's God's way of saying that he realizes how difficult this can be for us. I, I think he knows how quickly we become so dependent on money And because He wants to grow our faith and because He wants to grow us in our trust and our dependence in Him, what He's doing is He's pleading for you and me to put Him to the test so that He can prove how faithful He really is. Please, you read these for yourself, all right? You do the work yourself with these verses and others that you can find, but just see Him spurring on our faith here. Like, it is a test to trust Him. It's a test to see that He's faithful. Generosity is something that will increase your faith in him and it increases our joy and it increases our love for him. Uh, at the same time too. Let me just tell you a, a couple of stories of how I've seen uh, generosity increase uh, the faith of people. You've, you've got some stories of your own. I've got a friend, uh, he was on a mission trip in Africa recently, and I was working in a very poor country, a very poor village with a very poor church. And he described for me a Sunday worship service that he attended uh, with these uh, poor, but so faithful, so joyous people and uh, the offering bag was being passed in the service. And my friend had this moment of panic of realizing, okay, these people have nothing. I have everything I could ever possibly want. So he's he's reaching for his wallet. He's digging in his pockets for everything that he's got in that moment. He wants to put it in the offering bag when it arrives. And he, he described that moment that when the offering bag finally arrived in his hands, he just happened to look down in there, and he saw a single egg, one egg. And someone later told him that a very poor woman gave all that she had, one egg, and she did it as a way of returning to the Lord, of honoring the Lord, of saying, I I trust you for what I need for tomorrow and the day after that. And he just said, you know what? My my, my faith was so encouraged in that moment of realizing that it all belongs to him and uh, that it really is a challenge of our faith. I've got another friend who uh, talked about how when it was just he and his wife and one small kid and they had a two-door car and barely enough money to pay all of their bills and even in their condition, they realized that they wanted to take that step And begin honoring the Lord uh, by tithing, and on paper, uh, adding ten percent to the line items. Well, the numbers didn't add up, but they started anyways, and they started giving, and they kept giving every month, and they just watched how God provided for all of their needs every week and every month. And when they got pregnant with their second child, they realized that the two door car wasn't going to work very well with their family of four, and so they just prayed and they asked, they asked God, God, would you provide? And they didn't have the money for a different car, but they kept tithing and they kept praying, and they. They kept trusting, and right before the baby was born, someone in their church gave them a vehicle, a four-door car, and my friend said, we kept that car forever. Like, we drove that car into the ground. You know, we, we called it our Jesus car. He says you can't give away your Jesus car. You can't trade in a Jesus car, but but God used that experience to increase their faith and their trust, and I'll tell you that he's in a time of transition right now with with no job, but because they started trusting the Lord way back then, they're trusting the Lord today and he's providing for them and I just want you to see how generosity increases our faith and our dependence in God and if you practice generosity not only will you see God increase your faith but you're gonna you're gonna get to share in some of his happiness too the way he sees things his perspective the last thing is this generosity is a personal decision This is a personal choice. Uh, Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll finish up there today. Uh, Paul is preparing, the Apostle Paul is preparing to receive a financial gift uh, from this particular church in Corinth. And it's a financial gift that's going to be used to serve people uh, in need. And so he writes to them and in verse 6 he says, Hey, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You ever wondered where that, that line came from? It came from, from Scripture. And uh, again, the truth is, excuse me, we're not under a curse anymore, but we reap what we sow, right? I mean, that's just kind of a you know, general practical proverb for life. I mean, it's true about every aspect of life. It, it's true when it comes to your work. It's true when it comes to your marriage. It's true when it comes to your diet. Well, the same is true when it comes to how you treat your finances, you, you reap what you sow. Or whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. Here's what I think the Apostle Paul's getting at in this particular situation. I think he might say, don't expect God to bless you financially if you're not trusting him or honoring him financially. Or don't expect the same blessings that he's promising to those who are generous. See, the fact is that Christ came to set us free. I mean, he came to set you free, but that freedom is there. You, like, you have to take that like you you have to make up your mind to receive that freedom from him. He continues on in verse 7. He says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. You know, maybe today the step for you isn't to begin tithing. Maybe there's something else in mind that the Lord has in mind for you. You do what God tells you to do. All right, you pray and ask him what's my next step and you follow him in that. He says you pray uh, and decide in what your heart what to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, he reminds us it's not out of obligation. And so if you leave here today and you start giving out of guilt or you start giving out of obligation, you've missed the point, right? Because the heart behind this is that this life of giving and generosity is a choice that you have to make because God's not some angry landlord waiting for what's due uh, him. He's not like the credit agency that keeps ringing your phone because you're way past due. He's not like that. His love for you does not hinge on whether you're generous or not. His love for you does not hinge on whether you give or not. It's your choice. You have to make a decision to trust him. And it's a choice to obey him and to honor him with every part of your life, including your financial life. You choose to start giving. like You you choose to, to start tithing. You've got to be the one to choose to whether increase your giving or not. Not out of obligation. God loves a what? A cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. And who are the cheerful givers? I think it's those who can say they're sharing in God's happiness. They're seeing things in a new way. They're enjoying his provision and his blessings in their life. I want to close with these words from the Apostle Paul. And what he's doing here, again, is he's reminding the people in these next verses of what God's going to do through their financial gift. And so he's, he's really painting a picture, casting some vision for what's going to come from this. And what I pray today is as I read these words, that you will try and hear them personally and as a church as well. Look, let's pick it up in verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Paul says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace. God has given you. Again, Paul just paints this picture for them and saying, Hey, we're going to take this financial gift and then we're going to take it and it's going to be used to help others in need. But I want to tell you what's going to happen as a result of it. Paul just simply says, Hey, we're going to give these gifts and people's lives are going to be touched and blessed and basic needs are going to be met. And as these needs are being met, people are going to be encouraged. And in the process, they're going to turn to the Lord and they're going to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And at the same time, they're going to look to you and they're going to give thanks for you. And They're gonna gonna praise God and they're gonna pray for you and all these things. And do you know what the Lord's gonna do at the very same time? As you give, he's going to provide for your needs and you're gonna turn to him and give thanks to him and give these gifts. And do you know who witnesses it all? God witnesses it all. And he gets all of the glory and all of the praise and people are finding their way back to God. And he says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servants. Genesis Church, I just wanna thank you this morning for being a faithful servant generous church. And thank you for stepping out on faith. And thank you for trusting. And thank you for putting the Lord to the test. Because when you give your gifts, not only is God going to use those gifts, but he's providing for your needs and he's going to bless you abundantly. And he's taking these gifts that you're giving and he's using them and he's multiplying them. And there are people here, there are men and women and children and students around Genesis that are coming to faith in Christ. And they're being encouraged because of your gifts and they're giving thanks to the Lord. And there are people in Indianapolis you know there are the poor their needs are being met and they're giving thanks and they're giving praise because of you and there are people as far away as Myanmar and in places like Albania and Haiti and again basic needs are being met people are finding their way back to God and God sees it all and he gets all of the glory but I think what he just says to us today is hey get in the game man enjoy and see enjoy let me open your eyes to what i'm doing in this world and what i want to do in and through your life and paul says the apostle paul says in closing at the very center of it all why do we do this verse 15 thanks be to god for his indescribable gift and who's that gift for us it's god's son it's jesus christ and what's god show us he was the first giver he goes first And so all of our giving is just a grateful response to him. I'll close with this. Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free from, from all things. And maybe, maybe you need to be set free from something in your life today. Maybe you need to be set free from money. As Ben said last week, you know, if money's your master, it's time to fire the master and turn to and cling to the Lord. Jesus can set you free. His freedom's available to you. His forgiveness is available to you. Forgiveness from sins. Maybe there's something else in your life that you need to be set free from today. Will you reach out to the Lord? Test him in this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ who you sent to set us free from sin. There's no longer any curse. We've been set free in Christ Jesus. And uh, Father, I know that there have been times, there'll be times again where I need to be set free from the financial grip Uh, that can so easily take hold of my life. And I trust that maybe there's someone here today uh, who needs to be set free from their finances as well, from the fear, the anxiety, the dependence that comes with that. Would you set them free today, Lord? Give them faith and trust in you. Someone needs to be set free from their, their sins today, maybe regret from their past, Lord, as they reach out to you, we've set them free today. Or maybe there's something else for you this morning. You can reach out to God. You can tell him what it is and ask him to set you free. And he will because he's good and his love endures and he's faithful.